This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money, Sirius XM Channel 132 Business Radio. That's powered by the Wharton School. And I'm Kent Smithers, still joining you by Zoom and until we can get back into the studio. In the meantime, however, you can connect with me on my website, kentonmoney.com. So uh, it's been obviously a, a pretty crazy last few years in terms of moving, but whether you're concerning to finally make that move to a new home or you're simply downsizing, uh, maybe because the market is super hot, or maybe you're trying to figure out um, where to retire. My guest today has answers for you is Ryan Frederick, who is the founder and CEO of Smart Living 360. And it's a firm that provides uh, strategy consulting in the real estate business, real estate services, and consumer content to clients across the nation, including multi-site retirement communities. And uh, Ryan has a new book out called Right Place, Right Time, The Ultimate Guide uh, to Choosing a Home for the Second Half of Life. And Ryan, um, uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for for having me, Ken. I appreciate it. So just for the uh, listeners, you know, Ryan and I go back many years, at least 15, a good friend of mine. So I was excited about his space. So, so Ryan, I certainly have questions related to the topic that we're going to talk about, really choosing a home for the second half of your life. But, I, you know, because I've said the inside scoop on you, okay? you know, no, I mean, you're a guy who's very mission driven about aging in place, about, um, you know, retirement security in terms of living and homes and so forth. Um, yeah, I know a lot about you. You could, you know, be a CEO of a Wall Street firm at this point, but you decided, you know what, you're really going to, you really have a passion for this topic. I mean, talk a little bit about that first and what kind of motivates you. Uh, there. Yeah, no, thanks, Ken. And it's, uh, you know, I think a number of similarities with you in the sense that uh, it's great when you find something that you enjoy and can make an impact on and your and your gifts align with that. And uh, the master plan when I was growing up didn't involve aging or housing. One one thing leads to another and, and here you are. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I think that we're at a time in our just society where living longer, approaching, you know, the, even the idea of a hundred year life is becoming more common, especially for those that are well-educated and have some financial resources. And so I think, uh, you know, part of my story has been recognizing this, I'll call it mega trend, people living longer Then how do we make the most of those, of those years? And then, and then as a subset of that, what role does place have in that? How can by 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 a function of of, of choosing place, just uh, how can it enable us to, to thrive in these different chapters of our life and and in this journey? I've I've been I've lived in retirement communities. I've consulted for groups uh, across the country, even globally. Uh, you know, been an investor, but part of uh, with this book now has been how can I take what I've learned on the inside of these different elements and then make it more accessible to people. Yeah, and so so let's talk about the, the current market first before we kind of dive in. As we know, it's a, it's a crazy market right now. Prices are 
crazy high. Demand is high. Supply has been obviously impacted by uh, then the pandemic. And so, you know, one of the things that we used to see before the pandemic is homes would open up in part because, you know, older people had moved down south and, you know, for warmer weather and so forth, a lot of that got put on hold, which, you know, creates some supply restrictions in areas that, um, you know, in the north and lots of other places like that. Um, it, it, just give me kind of an update what you are, are seeing in the, in, in the market. Are people still, you know, refinancing a lot at the low, you know, low rates right now? What's going on kind of the buying and selling that we're starting to see um, with especially in the second half of life, are we are we starting to see some movement in terms of location right now as as some of that older people learning seeking out warmer climates? Yeah, you know it's a, it is interesting, Kent. I mean, I think you've got with mortgage rates still near their historic lows, you know, sub three percent meaningfully for thirty year fixed mortgage. Um, I think. You've seen a lot of refinancings where people have an opportunity to, to lower that that burn rate that they might have. Um, I, I think that's continuing, but it's been that window's been open for a while. I think one of the challenges you have uh, is, as you point out, there's just, there hasn't been much supply because, particularly when the pandemic first hit, it, it created a pause. Um, where, where you know, how would I go somewhere? And how can I be safe, you know, amidst the pandemic? So you, and then you had others in certain markets where they didn't feel safe at all, regardless right. of age. So where do I move to? So I think we had this imbalance where <clears throat> there was just uh, a lot more demand than there was supply. You know, we, we um, were in San Francisco for a number of years, as you know, lived in Baltimore for nine, moved to Austin two years ago. And Austin uh, has been crazy for a while. It was, it was crazy when we moved, but particularly the pandemic, it was one of these places that had a, a, a meaningful net migration too, hmm. without supply being able to catch up. So we've seen just pricing, uh, you know, our area move, move up significantly. I think at the national level, um, you know, you've seen 10 plus percent year over year uh, price increases, but you are seeing more home listings uh, now year over year, closer to about 30% um, at, at the macro level. And I think what you're finding is uh, it's an option, especially for those um, that are open to moving somewhere else. It's a couldn't be a better time uh, to to then uh, potentially li liquidate your home and then use those assets for that next chapter. But what's critical is to know well where is that next chapter. Yeah. Um, in some cases, like uh, here in Austin, for example, you might be able to sell your house, but if you want to stay in the area, you might then just have another expensive uh, housing transaction, you know, around the corner. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so let's talk about the home it, itself. I mean, where you're living. I mean, obviously, it's a big part of your financial well-being. You know, we're talking about for a lot of people, a third of their consumption dollars was spent on home and home services. Um, some places, you know, in the country, it's even higher than that. Thinking about San Francisco that you mentioned earlier and so forth. So, you know, talk about that issue and then, you know, how that interacts with people aging. I mean, yes, we had this slight reverse trend with COVID-19. I think it's been embellished a, a little bit, but nonetheless, we're going to be back in the trend line of continue, continuing to age and a, uh, you know, live longer, longevity will continue to increase. 
Um, and so talk about the, the role that, ho- that homes play in the financial well-being, especially as we start to age uh, uh, and basically live for, for up to 100 years or more. That's right. Uh, the century mark. Well, I think it, um, you know, plays in a few different ways, Kent. I think you've got situations where uh, as people are living longer, you are seeing, particularly for knowledge workers, you're seeing opportunities to to stay involved in some capacity. And if anything, Zoom has made that more feasible now Mm -hmm. for people to, if they have the right expertise. So the reason I say that is there is a real benefit when you think about place to be in a in an environment where if you want to continue working even on a part time basis, like that's possible. So when, when you when one of the things I talk about with different groups is it's not just lifespan living longer, and it's not just health span living longer and healthier. It's also the inner interaction with that with wealth span. Do I have enough money and resources for that longer life? So, you know, this idea of the traditional retirement where you uh, kind of cut cold turkey from everything you've done before may not be the model that we're leaning into now that this idea of still having projects and working in some capacity is important. So I think when you look at place, you have to understand is, is in my environment where I still can engage in working? Um, that's an element. And, and maybe it even means a home office in a spot that you're in is something to think about. Um, I think even other more practical things too, Kent, like what's, what is the effective burn rate for just cost of your home, like fully loaded, uh, you know, including the real estate taxes, understanding what your different um, capital expenditures, you know, might be over time uh, with utility costs. I know gas, gas prices right now are spiking in Europe. I think we may have a similar thing here, uh, uh, natural gas, maybe there's something similar that happens here in the state. So how can you insulate yourself in certain ways from, uh, you know, ongoing or just either volatility or just, uh, just growth in your expenses that become harder to plan for. Um, and some of that can influence even what house you end up buying, understanding what, what's really enough or can influence if you do a renovation, what are the things you want to prioritize in a renovation that helps you better manage you know, your future costs for your house. Yeah. And so no. taking those ongoing costs of a home is, is, su- is super important. A lot of times when people are thinking about retirement, you know, they look at the equity in their home toward retirement, forgetting that, you know, you also need a home during retirement and you don't really want to count all that equity unless you're planning on downsizing and capturing some of that equity. But thinking through all the tax issues yes. and thinking through all the maintenance issues and the fact that you may not be young enough to do that maintenance yourself and things like that. Yes. So let's talk about in particular when we th- think about the second half of life. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's such an overlooked topic. I mean, one of the issues that sometimes comes up on the show is that people are thinking about what type of home to get. And I always tell them, you know, if it's the second half or by the use of the term second half of life, but when you think about in retirement, you know, avoid homes with stairs because sometimes, you know, just simple things like that, people sometimes forget uh, because that's not a great, you know, you might find yourself at some point living on the first floor um, if if you have uh, a, a stairs. We just don't often can't vision that future. So help people, the listeners vision that. So let's talk about regions first. I mean, 
if you're thinking about, um, yes, there's a lot of activity in pricing right now. You mentioned Austin and so forth. Um, is or do you think we're going to have a change here uh, where the stereotypical you go to Florida, go to Texas, go to Southern California, things like that for retirement, that's going to maybe shift over time? Maybe, you know, we're starting to see some push maybe toward even retiring in cities, things like that. Where, where do you see the, the, uh, the trends happening? Well, I think to your point earlier about some some trends being um, oversold, I think this idea of everyone moving to Florida, that may be good for jokes and birthday cards, but in large part, that still is the anomaly, Yeah, is that most people stay where they're from uh, within you know, a number of miles. And I actually expect that trend potentially to, to, to increase with a couple caveats. And part of that's because um, what's what people have a hard time appreciating sometimes is that when you do move to a new place, you know you lose all of your social network. Yeah, that's yeah. There. And and we do have a, a you know a headline issue we read a lot about. If anything, the pandemic put a spotlight on it. We're in an era where people are more socially disconnected, where they're l- lonelier than than prior generations. Even knowing your neighbor, half of older adults don't even know who the neighbors are. So, so there, this idea of moving to a spot where you don't have any of that social fabric can be, you know, it, but the weather's nicer, but you don't have the social fabric. I think that can come at a greater cost than, than, than people, you know, often uh, can realize. Um, uh, there are some other things though, Kent, like, and this is, this is a bit in your wheelhouse, given your uh, analytics and background, you know, there are just simply some region of the country that aren't set up to succeed the deck in decades ahead. So for example, I'm going to pick on Illinois and Chicago for a moment, right? Let's say you're 60 and you live in the Chicago area. Um, and there's a reasonable chance you might live to hundred based on the things that we're talking about here. Well, that's 40 years. Yeah. And, and what's the trajectory of the financial situation of that state? What's the trajectory of, of that uh, metropolitan area? Um, and it's not just tax base, fiscal policy, but it's also regulation, the you know, role of, of, uh, um, of, of, of a number of different groups um, uh, that, to, that influence. In fact, in some ways, it's helpful to look at where the millennial is moving to, because that can speak to the, dy- the dynamism that you might be looking for you know, as you get older as well. So I think there is a lens you have to look at at the regional and, 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 met- and state and metropolitan level before you start to get into what are the unique characteristics of a particular home, like you reference. Um, you know, I think there are a number of things to look out for and you plan ahead. Uh, we, we moved to Austin. We did a, a remodel of our house and I had to educate our landscaper um, when we were making some changes that actually having a path without stairs going to the front door would be a, mm. could be not only valuable, but also attractive. And yeah. so I think I opened his eyes a bit. So there, you know, in some cases, you have to be really clear what you want and then educate people that are helping you to help realize that that reality. Yeah. And I will t- say about the region, I mean, you talked about Chicago and I happen to have my grandparents and uh, even cousins who uh Age in place in Chicago, and so I have firsthand knowledge there. But it's definitely—I um, don't want listeners to think that you're picking on Chicago because the fact that matters the fiscal situation in Illinois. There's a reason in my lectures I, I refer to Illinois as our Greece uh, because the f- fiscal situation in Illinois is, is very, very challenging. And you alluded to, you know, something else in the, what's going on in Illinois too is. Uh, 
all the competing groups of you know the trial lawyers rule <laughs> that that state and it's amazing the regulations that just seem so burdensome on business development and, and so forth uh, there so I think you know it is smart to to, to be cognitive of those uh, of those issues. Um, let's talk about, you know, uh, so certainly there's kind of neighborhood considerations about, you know, are young people moving here? Are, um, is it a vital city? Is it, you know, um, you know it's somewhere where amenities are going to continue to grow? Or is it, you know, a city that's kind of living in the past, the legacy and, and so forth? But, but some practical considerations. A lot of times people think of their home as equity and that's toward retirement. I try to cost against that quite a bit on this show simply because you can't capture that equity unless you're actually selling that home and you have to buy something or the alternative some people think is maybe I should rent you know and we're starting to see the emergence of rentals single family properties uh things like that I mean the problem of course with renting is you don't know how long you're going to live the home is essentially this annuity it provides us you know consumption services of homing of home services until you die and so how do you advise people to think of that trade off because the renting is kind of you know it has an appeal about trying to capture some of that equity but what do you think about um you know is is a smart decision well as i go into a bit in the book can i think part of it is every situation is unique and so part of it is a reflection on, on what you need, what your values are. And in some cases, it's not just you, it's your, your partner, your spouse, maybe other family. So it can be complicated. The good news is uh, for a while, uh, I, I would say there were more limited rental options. Um, and I think over the last 10 or so years, you're seeing a much higher quality apartment product that is uh, available for rent that wasn't there before. In fact, I've, I've developed co-developed a property in the DC area, which has a bunch of these universal design features. It's walkable, it's safe. Uh, you can coordinate services. Um, and, and for those that are focused on their Excel spreadsheet from a total cost of ownership, it's, it's actually quite compelling from a finance perspective because part of what happens is you allude to is you're able to take those funds from your house and redeploy them into other investment vehicles, which on our, you know, with some financial help, if needed, typically you're going to have a better risk adjusted return than, than having it be in, in your house fully loaded for, for a bunch of different reasons. I think one of the risks that some people have is they're banking on equity in their house. And then it turns out things change. Your, your, your house isn't very liquid when it needs to be liquid or your thought on where the neighborhood was going or the city was going was different than how it, how it played out over time or the buying preferences of the next generation are just different than what you have. And it turns out the house you have is really just a teardown and how people value it therefore is, is then different. So um, because you have these apartment buildings have gotten nicer, some of which are designed for older people in some capacity, and even these rental single family homes that are becoming a, 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 a hotter asset class now, not necessarily designed for kind of people in the 50 plus range, but you think more and more it can work that way. I yeah. think it's just another option now to consider. The one thing I would say for uh, people that are looking at this is just be mindful that in a number of these different leases, you, you may not be able to cap 
what the uh, the annual rent increases are. Mm. You can have situations where your shelter, like you allude to that cost, which is meaningful, might grow at a, at a, a rate that's faster than inflation. And it might also grow at a pace that's faster than your uh, investment portfolio. Yeah. And so if you don't pick wisely there, you might be setting yourself up for another, another. Yeah. And I agree. And then one way that, you know, potentially dealing with rentals is if you're afraid of living a long time, paying your rent a long time is first buy a financial true lifetime annuity, not a variable annuity that will cover that rent for a while, but you're, you're absolutely right. Looking at the contracts is really important. So you're listening to your money series XM channel 132 that's powered by the Wharton School, still not taking your calls, but having uh, a terrific uh, guest on the show, Ryan Frederick, who's the founder and CEO of Smart Living, just came out with a new book, Right Place, Right Time, The Ultimate Guide to Choosing a Home for the Second Half of Life. And so let's talk about uh, some additional factors. People above age 50, what are... Give, feel free to just give me a laundry list. Just step through the bullet points. What are some things that they should, like factors that they should be considering if they are deciding to locate to a new area? They've decided, you know, they've made the decision already about the social connectedness um, issue that you pointed out. They're willing to rebuild or, you know, talk to their grandkids on Zoom. They don't have to do it, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, alive all the time. So, you know, let's talk about everything from suburbs to urban, from weather to type of home. You know, what, what's your checklist there? Yeah, and the checklist can be pretty long, uh, depending sure. on how analytical you All are. Right. So maybe give me three or four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I would say, just to start off, going back to our conversation about yeah. region. You know, you you with living longer now, you just have to have some point of view on what the growth trajectory and characteristics are of the region you're part of, and and then your city as well. So, think of it as the matrix is certainly more than weather as you get into it, and so get some sense of even what the talent pool is in these mm-hmm. different areas. Are you set up for the economy of tomorrow? Um, you know, a, a big thing I think can is is related to uh, hedging your risk because you might feel like you're falling in love with moving to you know, Florida, say from Chicago, going back to our example before, but you may find that it's not what you think it is. Right. And so one of the things I, I talk a bit about and encourage in the book as well is, is a, a term that's become more popularized in business school circles around design thinking, which is a somewhat fancy word for innovation that suggests if you have a hypothesis, something you want, you're trying, try it out, do a prototype. You know, maybe uh, it sounds basic, but uh, maybe it means you, you know, you go to uh, have an Airbnb several times in that region. I know sometimes if you, it's actually a retirement community, they have places you can rent for a weekend or for a week. Do some things, particularly if you have a spouse or other family involved, that allow you to have your eyes wide open when you've you've decided for for financial reasons or geographic reasons or, or uh, health um uh, weather reasons, is it really what you think it is? Because you typically have an a- information asymmetry. You know a lot more about your current environment. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit easy to have the grass is greener on the other side. So really test it because the cost of the wrong decision is significant. If you go sell your house and then you move to a place that's not the right place, your house is not there again. It's been sold. New persons moved in and there's a lot of disarray related to that. And just expense, just the transaction costs alone 
can be challenging a lot of people. So yeah, you, you mentioned the information asymmetry, economics term. I mean, it's a market for lemons. A lot of times with information asymmetry, you want to yeah, be careful about that. It does remind me the other day, my wife told me she knew somebody who moved to Hawaii for retirement. He didn't quite well. You know, know what type of place to get in Hawaii, whether we want to live in Kona on the beach or in, more in the hills where it's cooler and things like that. And so he bought a boat and said, I'm going to live on this boat for a year before I decide. And he decided, hey, this boat thing's not so bad after all. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that, that, that's where he stayed for almost a decade before he finally got a home. But so finally, let's talk about staying in kind of place. So you're not going to move. Let's say you want to be near kids or your 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 ch- church, synagogue or whatever. It's your social community. And, you know, the real question is, I mean, people have been selling this, you know, agent in place. And, and so I'm just, I think technology is going to allow that to be much easier and to, to remain in uh, one place, which is great. But let's talk about the whole gamut. Healthcare, you know, suppose your house does have the, you know, the evil stairs and it's a walk up instead of a, a more, you know, flat. Uh, place, you know, how realistic is it for a lot of people to age in place? So this is a big issue. In fact, this might even be a, a separate conversation sure. for one of your episodes here, because I think that about about eighty percent or so of people um, say that's their plan. That's what they would prefer to, you know, age in their home. I hate I hate the age in place term for sure. a few different reasons, but it's it's that's it's become popularized. But I think often what happens, Kent, is people just underestimate the complexities of, of, of making that work, particularly over the long haul. Some of it is, as you point out, design limitations. Some of it's this, the neighborhood around you has changed. Some of it is, uh, it's great that technology can do more than it, than it did in the past, but it's still hard. There's still, there's, I mean, I wouldn't want my life to depend on this, on the strength of my internet signal you know, or my cell signal. So, you know, it's, uh, and, and as you get more of these different healthcare devices and so on that link into your technology, like there's a lot of work to make that work. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, there's, there's trends that'll make that better over time, but I think sometimes it's easy to fall in love with, well, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm going to stay here, but then it starts to break down and then people don't necessarily have a viable plan B and then, then they get surprised by it. And so that's that's part of what I talk about in the book is just recognizing that you have a right place at every right time and right. constantly evaluating, are you in the right place for where you yeah. are? So that then leads to, and this will be my last question, really about this inertia effect. It's easy. I think a lot of people, it's just, you know, they retire, they stay, there's inertia, there's, you know, they, maybe they don't want to dig out the attic and <laughs> everything else, um, but it, it's just easier to kind of stick around um, and not think through these issues really until it's too late. So how do you get people to visualize? I mean, something that they've never, it's not like you've lived this before and just say, okay, during my last lifetime when I retired, I mean, it is very challenging for people to kind of visualize something that they haven't you know, seen themselves. Maybe they saw a little bit with their parents, but very hard for people to really internalize that. So how do you get people to, you know, think through that very different uh, future. Yeah. So a couple things, I think uh, one, one piece can't related to optimism. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, we can get focused on how our, our, our health can decline as we get older, but we're, we sometimes, many of us aren't aware of the fact that there's something called the U-shaped happiness curve. Mm-hmm. 
mm. which has been globally documented where you start off in your, uh, in your twenties at a certain level of happiness. And then you go through this relatively steep decline through your, uh, up until your late forties, early fifties and the kind of reaches a nadir and it turns around. Um, I like to think it may be somewhat correlated with parents with teenagers, but then you start going up this ascent and then in your seventies and eighties, you're happier than you were when you're twenties. And so this idea of the second chapter, the second half of life uh, is a really rich chapter. It's mm. not necessarily one to be, to be fearful of or scared of. Instead, how can you embrace it? The new challenges and finding purpose and being socially connected and so on. So part of it, this is a good thing. This is a longevity is a good thing, but you have to lean into it and have a plan around it. Uh, and so part of it is not just where, what skilled nursing facility am I going to choose? That's not, that shouldn't be the basis to get people to pay more attention to this. It's like, if I do this the right way, I probabilistically will have higher, a, a greater number of high quality life years. And then the second thing to your point, Kent, is there's people all around us, family, peers going through this. We can learn from other people's trajectories, ones that have planned and seen the benefit of that and those that haven't. And, and where in that, in that knowledge share, can we be inspired to, uh, to take, take action? It's hard. If you've lived in a certain home or single family home for decades, it's hard to make a change. I get that. Uh, sometimes it does. It is something that, that bad that happens. It triggers a change. But I think the more that we can learn from each other and see where people have really nailed it, done a good job, that, that can be that motivation to then say, what are these options? So if we see the optimism, we see people have done it well, then my, my hope, and, and that's part of the, with the book, I, I have different sto stories baked into it and different examples of people that have, have put in the effort to make the good decision and then some thumb that haven't. And, and as it, it kind of carrot and stick, I guess, in a way of how to think about make the most of it. But I'm hopeful that more and more people will recognize the value of this. And at the same time, we're gonna create better places for more people to, to age well in, a, in an age of longevity. Yeah, and I love that, the, the U-shape. I was not aware of you know the happiness being U-shaped and age like that. So that's that's really neat. Oh, I, my mother became much more happier you know, when the, the last kid that was me left the house. So I, I always assumed that <laughs> that's what, <laughs> what, what it was. Yeah. But in any case, no, that's terrific. And it's also terrific to really think about that that period of life, not being, you know, in a negative sense, but really this opportunity to really have been enriched and grow and, you know, learn and, you know, really thinking through all the options associated with that. Fantastic work, Ryan. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ken. Great to reconnect. And you can find out more about Ryan and his book that will be coming out very soon called Right Place, Right Time, The Ultimate Guide to Choosing a Home for the Second Half of Life. And you can also go to his website, which is smartliving360.com. Again, smartliving360.com. And I'm Kent Smethers. You're listening to Your Money, Business Radio Series XM, Channel 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.